Amen. Praise and glory be to God for that wonderful song. Uh, thank you, Pastor Abel, for always uh, being willing and available uh, to share the Word of God through that song. Uh, we never get tired of your singing, by the way, because uh, by God's grace, we know that you sing from the heart, and uh, the message, the lyrics of the song is really, truly a blessing to all of us, isn't it? Uh, first time I heard that song, and... Uh, I think you're making a record, you know, singing uh, consecutively for the past few services that we had. So uh, since you sang already, I could not sing anymore because uh, it's always hard to follow. Uh, I'm trying to conserve my voice for this uh, message, but um, I will not keep you long like uh, what Elizabeth Taylor said. Uh, that's why she had, it's a joke, she had almost seven husbands, you know, because she said, I will not keep you long. Anyways, there's something going on, as I mentioned this morning. Uh, it seems like uh, the last weeks of uh, January all the way to February, every Sunday there's something going on in society, especially in America. You know, there was the Grammys last Sunday evening and all these awards and stuff. Then, of course, this afternoon, it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So um, I'm a very fanatic of football. I don't know why they call it football in America. And, you know, when they're not really using their feet to get the ball, isn't it? They just kick it once in a while when they have to. Uh, I always remember about football is Pastor Max because, you know, in the Philippines growing up, we love basketball, isn't it? Or other sports. Seldom we uh, have footballs. And I was um, talking to our uh, brethren from the shelter why football cannot be our national game because we're a third world country. We're too poor to have football, Okay. You need the space, you need the gears, you need therapies, isn't it? When you have a broken bone or sad things because, you know, that sport is a very, very physical sport. It's like uh, Herculean people and you have to be qualified, you have to be really athletic, you know. That's why there's a person in the scripture, it's actually a joke, who is one of the most fit Bible character in the Bible that you know of. Uh, there you go. Of course, it's Sam. Of course, because he's the man of strength, isn't it? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A man of war since his youth. Uh, a Nephilim, a giant, isn't it? Um, born to be a warrior. Just, you know, his um, uh, shield alone, his armor is like worth hundreds of pounds, you know? So he's really, really strong. But actually, the answer I'm looking for is like a, something like a funny. It's Absalom. He has really nice six-pack, you know, abs, salam. Well, anyways, uh, <clears throat> when you get older, it's not six-pack, it's one-pack now, you know. Just one big. <laughs> but thank God for uh, the strength to be here. And uh, if you're going to watch it tonight, uh, enjoy it, especially the commercials, all right? Um, I, I, remember, I remember Pastor Max with that, with that when there's uh, Super Bowl Sunday. That's the only time, as I said, I'm a fanatic. Of football, that's the only time in the whole year I watch. So, um, sana may mag-invite sa akin mamaya. Kasi, puro babae yung mga kasama ko. So, <laughs> Perlon, walang... Ezra is too young. <laughs> I cannot cheer. How many of you, like, cheer for those that are still fans of uh, Golden State Warriors? I think they had a game lately. Where Curry, you know, the chef? Made the game-winning shot. <laughs> Three points in a very awkward position. Uh, and then... Uh, I saw like some of the comments. People shouted from their seat and they got 
yelled on by their mom <laughs> or their grandparents. So they're really fanatic with that sport. But uh, as I also said this morning, uh, these two teams, these uh, Herculean athletic uh, guys from the offense and defense will give everything they've got for the game. Now, for the love of the game, of course, for the fame, isn't it? For the uh, uh, accolades of men and, you know, is the, a lot of millions of Americans will be watching tonight, isn't it? And uh, <clears throat> the, the cables, the airwaves will be busy and probably some parts of the world. But thank God for your presence this afternoon because you love the Lord. Amen? Amen. You want to go all in for Jesus this afternoon. So I will go all in in the message today. I'll try to be short. Amen? So we can go to our respective place and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Oh, we still have core practice anyways. So let's turn to our feet and let's read our passive scripture in Ephesians chapter 1. I'll just going to continue what I um, shared last Sunday about being blessed here and in the heavenlies. As we know um, in our church calendar, February is a stewardship month and March and also, of course, the traditional uh, celebration of uh, Valentine's Day on the 14th. And take note, this Friday will be a joint Bible study here in the church, a love banquet. So please do come and enjoy. Our church uh, will be decorated. We'll have some uh, uh, good Christian fun. Amen? Um, and study of God's Word, some, some games, some things to also encourage our couples in the church. But this is for everybody. So please do come. And always have a good time. Amen? during our church uh, Agape Lab banquet. So I started this uh, message because, you know what, uh, maybe you'll, you heard preachings about giving, and sometimes it's uh, wonderful to be reminded that there's so much already being given to us by our God in heaven, isn't it? And uh, it just prompts us and motivates us and inspires us to give back because there's somebody who had already given everything that we need. Yeah. And actually more than what we need. He has blessed us tremendously. So we started with verses 1, 2, 3 uh, last time. Uh, I gave you in verse 1 the glorious introduction of Apostle Paul. This epistle was glorious because of the writer, Apostle Paul, and, and the reader, the Ephesian believers, who are saints of God. And there was a gracious salutation that Apostle Paul always give out. It's grace and peace, charis, grace, or hello, and shalom, which is peace. He, because he walks in two worlds, the Gentile world, where he says charis, or grace, and the Jewish world, which is peace and shalom. And then we saw the grateful de uh, benediction, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3. So we will be reading um, verses 3 all the way to verses 13, all right? Or oh, verse 14, we'll finish that section there. Um, after we see uh, our spiritual blessings in Christ in verse 3, then the apostle enumerate all these spiritual riches and blessings in Christ. There's nine of them, but I will not be speaking all nine of them. We'll just give them like a brief uh, summary synopsis and then... Uh, we will end our message. So if you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. And let's read this responsibly and then all together in verse 14. Okay, I'll start in verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible declares, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us. Notice it is past tense. Blessed us 
with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Altogether, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we truly bless and thank you for this uh, another opportunity to uh, read your word and meditate it. And truly, Lord, we are so blessed because we believe uh, upon your promise, upon your very word that you declared many years ago in the pages of this sacred book that you promise when two or three are gathered in the name of our Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ, you promise that you are in our midst. Lord, we invoke your presence this afternoon. We believe that uh, proclamation in the scripture, Lord. Uh, we are not just gathered here just because of uh, mere duty or just mere routine, but as we had heard a wonderful message this morning, we are here, we are gathered because we love the Lord. We'd like to honor you because of how good and how great and how gracious you are in our lives. Lord, we know uh, words is never enough, Lord, to truly express uh, how you mean to us, Lord, for loving us the way we are, even though we are so undeserving and unworthy. And all of us here can all in course, Lord, declare how thankful and eternally grateful we are for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for saving a poor, wretched soul like us. Out of the billions of people in this world, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for the gospel witness that we heard. And you opened the doors of our hearts and our minds, and we understood our condition before a just and a holy God, that we are truly sinners, unrighteous, cannot do anything, Lord, to save our souls. But there was a God in heaven who loved us so much, who sent his dear son, Jesus Christ, to shed his blood, to offer us forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that we truly understand that Christianity is all about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not just, Lord, uh, a denomination or institution or like what our parents would like us to be. But we understand from the pages of the Bible that being a Christian is a privilege. 
is an opportunity because truly you had blessed us with so much, especially the spiritual blessings and riches that we're going to study this afternoon. So, Lord, we pray now that you uh, help us, Lord, and uh, I'm nothing without you, Lord. Help me to rightly divide the word of truth and forgive me, Lord, for my sins and shortcomings and help me, Lord, in my infirmities, in my frailties and keep us safe while we're having this uh, Bible study and bless the hearts of thy people. I, I pray that I'll be a channel of blessing and encouragement to them. And we love you and we praise you. Thank you for the forgiveness, Lord, and for your long, long suffering toward all of us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Welcome also to our folks who are with us virtually. Okay. Are you still there? Amen. I thank God for the wonderful sumptuous meal that we uh, enjoyed uh, during our lunchtime. Um, thank God for our church, so unique, isn't it? We are blessed with many avenues to learn God's word together, like Sunday school, then first service, then another Sunday school, second service. So sometimes I always say this, like when you preach in the afternoon, it's like a dessert. It's like dessert, you know, it's like icing in the cake. So somebody says when you're given sugar or icing, or cake, either two things will happen to you, isn't it? Either you're going to be hyper or you're going to be crashing, all right? So I hope you'll not crash on me. Um, but uh, okay, I have some things here to make you smile, all right? What are my good Christian joke here? Okay, what did Adam say when he was asked his favorite holiday? There you go, you're right, Brother Joe, yes. My favorite holiday is... Eve Christmas. Christmas Eve, all right? Okay. What do you call a Bible character who just pulled into church? What do you call a Bible character who just pulled into church? A parking lot. Lot. The nephew of Abraham, all right? Okay, this is simple. It's easy. What did God's people say when food fell from heaven? Oh, man. All right? Okay, don't you know that there is a piracy in the Bible? Because what did the pirates call Noah's boat? The ark. All right? Ark. All right, that's so, so corny. All right? Here, this is nice. Why did Boaz hate lying? All right? Why did Boaz hate lying? There you go, I heard it. Because he loved the truth. Ruth. Because he loved truth. Truth. Alright, so he hates lying. And last but not the least, how are toddlers and those who attempted to build a tower to heaven similar? We know the story, isn't it? Tower of Babe. Right? There you go. That's the answer. They all babble. Okay? They all babble. The toddlers and the people who rebel against God, not obeying his command to disperse and multiply. Alright? So uh, oh, there's another one. Which king liked to do things on his own? Oh, it's easy. Which king liked to do things on his own? There he goes. Solo on the moon. Solomon, all right, the king. All right. Okay, let's go to the message now. All right. Blessed here and in the heavenlies. How many of you believe that you are blessed here? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it? When we define the word blessed, um, like in the book, uh, book of Psalms chapter 1 or the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, remember? It simply means happy, isn't it? Or 
you have to be grateful. You have to be rejoicing. Blessed is the man, happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, like in Psalms 1, then Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who are happy, who are those who are in, poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of God. So happy is also synonymous with the word blessed. So verse 3 in the book of Ephesians is the key verse of this book when we see the word blessed. And it's in past tense. And in my commentary here in my Bible, blessed here means worthy of praise. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is worthy of praise because He has blessed us. So when these spiritual blessings happen to us, I believe it had happened even in eternity past. God has blessed us with His spiritual riches, His spiritual blessings, nine of them from verses 4 all the way to verses 14. And you know what? When it comes to one of the greatest blessings of the Lord, all of us can agree that our salvation in Jesus Christ is one of the greatest blessings we ever received from God. Period. Amen? Because without our salvation, we will not be here today. Our past is not taken care of. Our present is going to be unsettled. And our future will be so chaotic, isn't it? But because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the way He saved us, then those time past, present, and future is already taken care of. Our salvation is the most precious thing that we ever have in this world, our personal relationship with the Lord, the moment of our salvation. That's why our salvation is also in three tenses according to the scripture here. In verses 4 to 6, the Father is planning our salvation. In verses 7 to 12, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is purchasing our salvation. And verses 13 to 14, the Holy Spirit is preserving our salvation. We can say that in that present progressive tense, but of course we also believe that in the past tense, isn't it? The Father planned our salvation, verses 4 to 6. The Son purchased our salvation, verses 7 to 12. And the Holy Spirit is preserving, had preserved our salvation because I love that He sealed us. He was given to us as a down payment, an earnest of the inheritance. Meaning, if God was able to forgive our sins and give the Holy Spirit upon us, it means He will be doing what He had promised all the way through. No? He just given us a portion of what He had promised, the good things that He promised for us to do, not just here, but also in the future. And the best evidence of that is the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit to each and every believer's life. So verse, key, uh, verse 3 is the key verse of this book. It summarizes in three words all is spiritual blessings. Then verses 4 to 14 give the detail of what all means. You know, and last Sunday we had tackled that as Christians, as believers, we are rich. Everybody wants to want, want to be rich in this world, isn't it? We are rich and famous in things that really matter. Isn't it since the internet was invented? Since YouTube was invented, anyone in this world can be known. You can either be famous or you can make some monies out of being famous in the web. And and seems like uh, most of the jobs right now that are well-paid is tied to technology, isn't it? 
is tied to the digital age and can be, you can't help it. That's the 21st century. Uh, that's part of living actually in the last days. Amen. We always preach and teach here in the pulpit, especially me. How do you know we're in the last days? Because the last days is going to be the preparation for the coming Antichrist to rule and reign in this world. And how can he control the world's commerce? How can we have like that thing you know, that happened in the Tower of Babel where there's one world religion, one world you know, monetary system, one world uh, so-called uh, denomination. How can you bring the nations of the whole world into like oneness? But the problem, the problem is the leader is not with God, not of God. And he is like the, the man of sin, the son of perdition, that he will deceive the whole world, especially actually the people of God, the chosen nation of Israel, that they will thought he is the awaited Messiah. But we know from the scripture that he will break that peace covenant. And how can he control the buy and sell? And you cannot have that if you don't have the mark of the beast in your forehead or in your arm. If not, using technology. Isn't it? Even you heard Mark Zuckerberg, he said, he claimed, he wants to put Facebook in the hands of every man and woman in this world. And I saw a meme, a picture of like really poor old couple in their farm Facebooking one another. Yeah, they had access to it. All right, so it's going there because there will come a time that one person, one portion of the news that's happening in one location of the world can be seen by the whole world simultaneously, instantaneously. Never before, isn't it? Was doable 50, 60 years ago. All right, but now it can happen because of technology, because of social media, because of cable satellites and all these things. There's an increase of knowledge and increase of travel. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12. Verse 2. So we're living in that day and age right now where you can make a living in your own couch. Just using online. Isn't it? You can be rich. You can be famous in, 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 in this world. But I have something to say here as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank God, by God's grace, we are also rich and famous in the things that really matter. Amen? We are rich because we are blessed with all the spiritual blessings that we had read. We are famous because we studied last Sunday that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? We are rich as joint heirs with Christ. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to 17. I don't have these verses in the slide, just an additional. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Notice, the Spirit there is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, that indwells a believer when they got saved. You know, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. We are a trichotomy uh, kind of being, you know. We have soul, body, and spirit. As we had studied, the body is our world conscious, the outer shell, this tabernacle, this clay, all right, this vessel, then our soul, you know, the body doesn't contain the soul. The soul is the real you, amen? The real person that speaks. And then, of course, we have a spirit that communicates with God. When we, before we got saved, our spirit is dead in trespasses and sin. It has to be regenerated, to be made alive by the gospel, amen? And now we are saved, we can communicate with God. We can understand what the spirit tells us because our spirit is quickened, it's made alive. 
And it says there, our spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, you can know that you are a child of God because there's a communication. There is, there is a, a connection between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. And it says there, and if children, then I love this, then heirs. All right, in Kampampangan, heirs. All right? With H. Punctuated. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Wow. If so, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Amen? That's a blessing. How, can you imagine that you are sa Tagalog Tagapagmana ng Panginoon? Alright? Panginoong Heso Kristo, He is our uh, giver of this wonderful inheritance, Jesus Christ, because we are connected with Christ, amen, because He is our Savior. So we are rich and famous on the things that matter. Our names are written in heaven. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Just a reminder, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible declares, for our conversation or our citizenship, the old English word in the King James Version, but it also translated citizenship. The word conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a blessing for those who look for His second coming. Amen? Those who love is appearing. Actually, the Bible says there's a crown. That's why every now and then we preach about prophecy. We remind of the things that we should not be ignorant of. And speaking of things we should not be ignorant of. There are three things in the Bible I could say that people are ignorant of nowadays. All right? First is the ignorance of salvation. In Romans chapter uh, 10, let's turn there. Romans chapter 10, and also there's also the ignorance of the spiritual gifts among the believers. And then there's also the ignorance of the second coming of Christ in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So the ignorance about salvation in context, Romans 10 is primarily written to the Israelite, all right? To the Jews. This is written by Apostle Paul. And if you uh, have read all the way to this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 10, he has a great desire for his people to be saved. If he even exchanged his soul salvation so that other people of his kindred will be saved, he will do that. But of course, you cannot Exchange your salvation to another person's salvation. Salvation is not by family, name. Salvation is not by community or by a nation. Salvation is always a personal, individual interaction with God. It's a personal transaction. Amen? Because you personally offend God with your sin. So you have to be also personally forgiven and saved by God. It's never through a family name. It's individual accountability and responsibility. So we read, brethren, so he's speaking to the Israelite people, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. All right, if you go to like some Jewish synagogue or community yesterday, we have people that are zealous for God. They cannot walk more than a mile. They go to their synagogue. They read the Torah, the scripture. They wear the appropriate clothing. They use... Uh, uh, the, the hymns, and they are religious in doing that every 
Sabbath, they cannot, of course, you know, especially our nurses here, the Sabbath was made for the children of Israel in the Old Testament, and there are regulations of having a Sabbath. You, you are totally be resting, you cannot work, so they cannot make any fire, they cannot do this and that. There's a lot of prohibition. All right, and they are some brethren that we have. I say them brethren because they are blessed given the oracles of God. They are zealous in what they do, but they are not zealously right because they are still in bondage of those things, you know, thinking that they, if they do that, they can have a good position of standing accepted of God, but they forget that salvation right now in this dispensation of the fullness of the grace of God is only by faith in the finished work of Christ. It's not good works, amen? It's not keeping rituals and religion. That's why, for I bear them record, Apostle Paul said, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. That's the key to be saved today, to believe on the finished work of Christ, to believe that He fulfilled all the law and righteousness. All you need to do is, is to accept and put your faith on what He has done for you. And isn't it we... Of course, that's the primary interpretation of these verses of Scripture. We can also say this can apply to some of our family members or friends that are diehard with their religion, especially Catholicism. They're trying to establish their own righteousness. When the righteousness was already purchased by Jesus Christ, they only need to accept that. But it was, you know, incalculated in their heart, in their mind. They are indoctrinated. You know what? It's good to do good works. Because you know what? They are thought that what Christ had done, yeah, he died on the cross, he's a good man, he's the savior, but seems like it's not enough. You have to do your part. And actually, it's a great insult in the face of God when you add something to the salvation that he freely gives to you by adding your own ritual, religion, or good works. And people are doing that with sincerity, isn't it? I have to do this. I have to pray the rosary. I have to do good works. I have to attend the mass. I have to do this prayer incense and all these things. Thinking that doing that, they could earn the grace of God. But the grace of God when it comes to salvation is freely given to us as sinners and has to be freely received by a sinner. That's why salvation is all by the grace of God. Because grace of God, so it will all be the glory to God. Man cannot rob God of the glory. And they're establishing their own righteousness when they do that. So another thing that people are ignorant of is in about, about spiritual gifts. We don't have time to go there. And then, of course, the second coming, about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13 to 18, that they thought that they missed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because the believers during that time had died, and they thought that Apostle Paul was mistaken. I thought that They thought that Christ will be coming in their lifetime. But they... Fail to remember that, that kind of mystery, isn't it? A hidden truth in the Old Testament that was not previously, you know, declared, but now was given to us as a New Testament believers. And in the completion of the Bible, we now understand that the coming of Christ is in second and two phases. The first coming is what we call the rapture or being snatched away. 
when he will come in the air. It is a private gathering of the believers, the bride, the body of Christ. Before Christ will come and put, you know, his judgment, God will put his judgment in the unbelieving, unrepentant world, which is called the seven years of tribulation or Jacob's trouble or the seventh week prophecy of Daniel. God will turn back his attention to the Jews and he will punish and judge the world who are unrepentant, rejecting his son. But at the end of that seven years, Christ will come with his saints. For the rapture, Christ will come for his saints because we are not, you know, uh, 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 left here into this world to be battered and beaten as a bride of Christ because we had already, you know, been saved from the wrath to come. Amen? Because Christ had already suffered the wrath of God at the cross of Calvary when the sins of all the whole world and especially the sins of the believers were judged when He was on the cross. We are not here to, be, uh, to obtain the wrath of God because Christ already suffered that wrath for us. Thanks be to God. So, yes, we say good luck. No, we don't really say good luck. For our Christian friends to say, oh, the church has to go through the tribulation. Christ would come at the midpoint, the three and a half years, or he will come at the last on the seventh year. But thanks be to God, because that's the most horrible, most difficult, most uh, uh, hard part of human history. All right? Two-thirds of the world population will die during that time. The, 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 the seas, the, the rivers will be poisoned. There's a lot of like judgments with the trumpets, with the vials, of God with the seals that are going to be opened, the seals first, the four horsemen, and then the trumpets and the vials, especially the last three and a half, it will be, you think it's, it's worse right now, it's bad? The physical destruction, all right, the earthquakes, the famines, the moral depravity of man, the spiritual depravity of man, of injustices, all right, violence and crime, you think it's bad right now, it's perilous? Wait until the great tribulation. Because the strainer, restrainer, the Holy Spirit, the church will be taken out. The salt and light that preserves this rotten, sin-cursed world will be taken out. Of course, the Holy Spirit will always be here because He's ever-present. He is an omnipresent nature of God. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit in restraining evil because there are still Christians who are trying to be light of this world will be taken out. And evil and all hell will break loose. It will be total chaos. And God has to judge that unrepentant world. But aren't you glad you'll be saved from the wrath to come because of what Christ had done? So we should not be ignorant of those things. You know, we can say we are so blessed because God is preserving us. Amen? God is directing us. God is guiding us. You know, oh, I have to go to the message, really. We are rich in things that matter, not to this world, but to the next. All right, three things about the spiritual riches, all right? I go to that path, you know? Uh, first is the source of all spiritual blessings, and then the, the scope of all these blessings and the sphere of these blessings. First is the source of all spiritual blessings. Simply, of course, verse three it says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The source of all these spiritual blessings that we read, nine of them, namely, from verses four to 14, is God the Father. Aren't you glad God the Father is not a misser, playing keep away with blessings. Don't get mistaken the idea that the father is the mean judge who demands a payment for sin, and Jesus is the loving savior who talked him into letting him come down to die for us. 
In truth, salvation plan was born already in the heart of the Father. Amen? That's why He planned our salvation. Amen? Who loves and longs for the return of His created children. You know, there are some thinking right now, thoughts like, Oh, your Old Testament God is a mean God. Because He ordered the annihilation, the death of the moms, the infants in the Old Testament. So He's a God who's always judging. He's always angry. He's not the man upstairs who lost his temper. That's not my God. That's not my Heavenly Father. He's still merciful. He's still patient. One of the best examples, you know, is Genesis 15, 13. Okay, let's turn there. Just a, a good example. Love to use biblical illustration, right? Genesis 15, 13. If you recall, uh, Bible study po tayong konti, ha? Sabi ng Bible, Genesis 15, 13, And he said unto Abram, we know from Genesis 12, Abram was chosen out of the many families in the earth after the Tower of Babel, the confusion of language, that God no longer will deal with human being as a whole into the world generally, but he zoom in into one family that the Messiah will continue to be propagated, the seed of the woman that will bruise the head of the serpent in Genesis 3.15. So he took uh, this guy, Abraham, who later became Abraham, who became the father of faith, who became the patriarch where our Messiah would come. And he says there in verse 13, And he said unto Abraham, later on changed to Abraham, No opportunity that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Take note. And also that nation, which is Egypt, later on, Jacob, uh, Isaac, Jacob, then Joseph, twelve tribes of Israel, they went to Goshen. They did not return after the time of Joseph, the dreamer, when he became the prime minister. They stayed there. Then the Pharaoh, who don't know Joseph, enslaved them for 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. They will spoil them. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in good old age. But, take notice in verse 16, in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Notice the phrase, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. 400 years they have to stay in bondage of Egypt. You know why? Because God was merciful. God was still long-suffering. He had given the Amorites, who God, first and foremost, you know, uh, we always say this, you know what's happening in the world right now, especially when you look at Bible prophecy, we always have to look at the nation of Israel. It's such a small nation, just the size of New Jersey. It's, but it's the hotbed, isn't it? Of the world news, the world headline. But you know, the original promise of the wor word of God for the inheritance of the Israelite people when it comes to land is six to seven times larger than what they have right now. Right? It becomes smaller and smaller Actually, you know, the land has always been promised to them. There's always a Jew living in that land. That's why we stand with Israel, with Gaza right now. Isn't it? You know, Bible history and the Word of God. They really promised that. And one day, God will fulfill that promise. He will give that to them in the millennial reign. The literal expansion of those borders will be given them. But it's six, seven times larger than what they have right now. But because of the interference of other nations, like the British Prime Minister, they just put like a chalk like that. Okay, this will be the Jews, this will be the Palestinians. Alright? <clears throat> and actually, Palestinians come from the word Philistines, isn't it? Whom the enemies of uh, 
Israel during that time. But it says there, unto the fourth generation. So the God of the Bible, Jehovah God, our Old Testament God is merciful. Because you know what? These Amorites that live in Canaan, that's why when Moses was out in the scene and he said, Joshua, you are now going to take care of the people of God. They will be able to enter the promised land. And remember, they were already in the border of Cadiz, Bernier, about to approach the promised land. And they already, God had promised them they will give that land. But they said, the ten spies gave a bad report. All right? Only two gave good report. We can conquer them. God has proven himself mighty and strong with the miracles in the Red Sea, the plagues in Egypt, parting the Jordan River, giving us victory to some of our enemies. We can conquer the land. But the majority is not always right. Amen? The majority tells something that's wrong. No, there's grasshoppers. Oh, we are grasshoppers. There's giants in the land. We cannot conquer it. So they return and they rebel against God, sin against Moses. But Joshua's conquest, actually, they have to have all the land. But you know what? They were not able to subdue it because of lack of faith, disobedience to God. You know what? For 400 years, from the time that they were in Egypt, he had given those Amorites, Canaanites, 400 years to repent for their sin. So God is not just a God in heaven that they claim Old Testament God, Jehovah is always angry, ready to judge. No! He has given them time to repent for 400 years to change their ways. And you know how sinful these people are? How wicked they are? I read uh, the book of Jonathan Kahn. He's a Jewish evangelist and pastor. Just have a church dito po so win, you know. He, returned, uh, he wrote a book, Return of the Gods. And later on, we will see in the spheres here that they are principalities, entities of demonic oppression that are rulers of darkness, the Bible says. And you know, the Canaanite people have these false gods of Baal, Molech, and Ishtar. Possessor, influencer, and destroyer. You know, they serve this Baal god by immorality, prostitution, Ishtar. Fertility God, sex God. And there's Molech, they worship this by offering their own innocent children. Being burned in the belly with fire. So they're possessed, they're influenced, they're, they're destroying. So it seems like that's also the sin that's being committed here in America, isn't it? Abortion was legalized, 60 million. Supposedly the safest place in the whole wide world is the womb of a mother. Now it's the most dangerous, isn't it? And I, I agree with what Pastor Jerry had preached. This generation in America are the most ingress generation because they feel like they are unwanted, that they could have been aborted because since that time, imagine, if God is not merciful, isn't it? Where would this nation be? And of course, the sexual revolution, the immorality, the pornography, all these, these things that are happening right now, isn't it? And the legalization of all these things that are prohibited before by God. The pharma, the sorcery, the drugs that are here, you know, and just the rebellion and just the confusion. It's happening right now. These entities that were there during that time are coming back, especially in the place where God blessed in the beginning because of its moral, judicial, Judeo-Christian principle. But we are turning away from that, isn't it? That's why we have to pray for America. So we should not be ignorant of these things. Don't get mistaken that the Father... He's a mean judge. No. He's merciful. He's loving. He's gracious. Look at 1 John 4.10. Alright. Not just the Amorites sin. 
Of course, I could also quote the illustration, Nineveh, isn't it? God spared from the preaching of a disobedient prophet. Yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. How many words is that? And the king all the way to the lowest, the slave, repented. The greatest revival in every nation. And God was merciful to them until the time of Nahum. Hundred years later, he has to judge them from their sin. So, my God, Jehovah, amen? He's not a mean judge. He is merciful. Same thing like Jesus, my Savior. First John 4, 10, herein is love now that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Pastor Jeter mentioned this verse of scripture. The word propitiation there simply means satisfaction. Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross is the satisfaction of God's wrath and judgment towards sin. That's why he resurrected his son, because he accepted his sacrifice in, in the cross. Because he was sinless. It was the blood of God, so to speak, that was shed for the sins of the whole world. He is our satisfaction of our sin. God's, you know, standard of punishment was met, was satisfied because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Thank be to God. And the motivation of that is love. We are fortunate that our Father is wealthy in the things we need most because the source of our spiritual blessings is our Heavenly Father. He is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. He is rich with grace, Ephesians 1, verse 7, on the last part, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. He is rich in glory, Ephesians 3.16. Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might, by spirit in the inner man. I love somebody's definition of mercy, grace, and blessing, isn't it? Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. And the blessing is He gave us both of them. Mercy and grace, isn't it? It's like a, a somebody who uh, offended the law, was caught by the policeman running, you know, 70 miles in a 35 mile. All right? So the policeman says, okay, I'll be merciful. I will not give you a ticket. Or I will not take any points. But of course, he had already written the ticket. But what I do is I will pay for your fine. He was merciful, not giving him points, but he was gracious by paying for his fine. The same thing with God, amen? Mercy is we're supposed to deserve hell. But instead of hell, he has given us heaven to go when we die. That's grace. And every day, everything that we receive from him is both blessings from God. Mercy and grace and glory. So in Christ, our Father has deposited unbelievable, unbelievable wealth on our account. So I love preaching, teaching, because I get to help disperse the riches all around from the Word of God. Look at Ephesians 3.8. Ephesians 3.8. This is Paul speaking, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Wow. <clears throat> really humble, isn't it? He said he's the least of all saints. When we look at what he had accomplished, it seems like he is the most accomplished disciple and apostle of Jesus. He's actually our apostle. He's apostle to the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, amen? And had written so much in the New Testament and our doctrines that we hold dearly in the church comes from his writings, from Romans to Philemon. But he said, this is the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable, indescribable riches of Christ. All in all, the Father is the source of all spiritual blessings. 
Go to second one. The scope of all spiritual blessings. Verse 3 says all. The source is the Father. The scope is all. Spiritual blessings means no limits. We, in our men's Sunday school this morning, talking about forgiveness. You know, what does forgiveness mean? To send away. You know, to send off. When you forgive something, you cancel the wrongdoing that they have done for you. Isn't it? And aren't you glad God has a different way of forgiving our sins? Because He forgives and He forgets. He has a sea of forgetfulness. Uh, he said in the Word of God, He will remember our sin no more as far as the east is from the west. How far is the east is from the west? They don't really meet, isn't it? It's unending. So, it's like that. But for us, it's hard to forget. We can forgive. We can send it away. We can, but you know what? I will never forget what you did. You know? So we still have the tendency to harbor some grudges. But thank God. God forgives us as we started a while ago. Unilaterally and bilaterally, His forgiveness is amazing. He sent it off. So our spiritual blessings is also the way we should forgive without limit. Not just seven times or 70 times 7, 490, but unlimited. Our spiritual blessings have no limit. It is just being dispersed to us as we grow in our Christian faith. It comes from eternity past. We can feel it in the present, but also it's reserved for us in the future. You know, these spiritual blessings and searchable riches, they said they are truly a well which will never run dry. An ocean that can never be emptied. To, to attempt to exhaust the riches of God would be like trying to count the grains of sand on the beaches of the world. And I heard somebody said, also the stars that God made are like if you, can, if you can count all the grains of the sand and all the beaches of the world. How many of you were able to go to a beach last summer? Planning to go to a beach this summer. See, when you put some, especially my kids, <clears throat> I just saw a picture, Ezra. Thank you for bringing him. All right? To enjoy the beach. Now he played in the beach. Just one handful of sand in your hand, isn't it? Can you count that? Who will have the patience to count? But you, you know what? That's how many the stars in heaven, if you combine all the beaches, the grains in the beaches of all the world. Same thing, the spiritual riches of God reserved for a child of God is unlimited like that. Remember in the Great Depression, most of us were not alive during that time, or none of us here are alive during time. They said they would, the banks would actually regulate the dispersal of funds. Regulate the dispersal of your own money during that time. That's how bad it was, financially speaking. But I'm so glad <clears throat> there's never a recession in heaven. No economic downturns, no fiscal cliff, all right? You can make a withdrawal of all spiritual blessings and unsearchable riches anytime you want, as much as you want. Notice it doesn't say He's going to give us all things, but He has already has. That's the blessing. He has already has. You know, remind me of the story of a thang-tied preacher with the lisp. Always talk about the second blessing. You know? He believed you don't get all God's blessing and salvation. But there's a second work of grace to pursue. That's why good work-based salvation. But just a funny thing. Another pastor criticized and said, I'm tired of hearing about your second blessing. Second blessing. The preacher said, I have third, fourth, fifth, even hundreds of blessings. It's unlimited spiritual riches in Christ. So the lisping preacher said, third, 
If you had many, you don't mind me having just two? Sir, if you had that many, you thought wouldn't mind for me just having two? Alright, did you understand that? Alright? Its scope is innumerable. The source is the Father. Thirdly, and we'll end. Amen? The spear of these blessings. Alright? In the heavenlies. Or notice in your King James Version, the word places there is in italicized. Whenever you see that, this means it's not in the original text. It was just added there by the translators for clarity. So it can literally read all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. In the heavenlies. This phrase in the heavenlies is only used five times and it's all found in the book of Ephesians. In the heavenlies. As we all know, to be reminded, the heavenlies is one of the two spheres or realms in which you and I may choose to walk during this life. The heavenly, as we know, and the earthly. Isn't it? True. From the word of God. You don't have to go to heaven to be in the heavenlies. You don't have to die. One of the ways to go to heaven or get raptured. Thanks be to God. In God's mind, you are already there positionally. You are in the heavenlies. That's why we believe in eternal salvation, the security of the believers. Look at this. Jesus said to Nicodemus, John 3.12, John 3, 12. The Bible says, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not. Remember, Nicodemus is a doctor of the law. Well versed in the scripture. But, you know, he was not born again. He has not regenerated. So all his knowledge is just like superficial, shallow. He didn't really understand the deep things of God. That's why he revered Jesus Christ. He's a master teacher. He's a good teacher. And he came to him by night. Nick at night, isn't it? And Christ said, spiritually speaking, you have to be born again. And he said this, if you have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? You see, out of necessity, you and I walk every day to some degree in the earthly realm. Yes, it can be avoided. You heard that saying, you can be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. But let's be clear, actually it's the opposite. We can be so earthly minded. I'm guilty of that. And you and me too, isn't it? We are so can be earthly minded that sometimes we are no more earthly oh heavenly good earthly minded that no more heavenly good even at church we can try to focus on the spiritual realm and it's good when we talk about god's word his promises and the things restored for us and the things we ought to do and yet someone practically speaking has to pay the light bill amen and when lights go out or the clock batteries die someone must replace them thank god for god's servants in this church who knows what needs to, be, needs to be done and who volunteers, they want to do it. Amen? It's their ministry, it's their service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because they know Jesus Christ deserves their work, their service, and God knows who you are. You know, we are walking, focusing on the spiritual realm, yet we are still living in the earthly realm. This place doesn't clean itself. Amen? If we try to just, ah, oh, be spiritual enough. You know, just uh, always focus and meditate and just read and pray all the time and, and chant all these uh, magical words. Yeah, like those movies, you know, try to be spiritual. Mm, just in a state of nothingness, nirvana. If you try to be spiritual enough, do you think it will cause this place to be clean after we have a service? If you leave it like that? No, it will not. What will happen? We'll call it still holy but a holy mess isn't it many times you walk out of here after a service after a good preaching time like we are floating 
above the ground. We're cloud nine. Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so inspired with the word of God. I'm in the heavenlies. Because we have been lifted by the preaching. <clears throat> but after we march out, someone else marches in. Amen. And pick up what we left here in the church. And I thank God for our, oh, now Moses. Five more minutes. There you go. And I thank God for the servants of our church who has the need to serve and clean up after us. Amen? And do the work behind the scenes. God knows your heart. Sana all. Amen? No? Yes, we can have that mind, heavenly mindset, but we still live in the earthly realm. They take care of the things that ought to be taken care of. Sad truth for the lost, the earthly realm is all they know anything of. We'll see that tonight in the Super Bowl. Good for them. They have fame. They have riches. They have popularity. They have everything. And I hope that they'll be saved. Amen? Another sad truth. For many Christians who don't walk with God, the same is true. All they know is the earthly realm. But Paul says to us as believers, we have access to all blessings. Not just here, but we have access in the heavenlies. He's not talking about us going to heaven someday, but rather heaven came coming down to us. And as the song says, glory filling our soul because we make room for that to happen. In the heavenlies, I have to end, are the blessings are, as we have read, read in the verses 4 to 14. Now time to go to them one by one. In the heavenlies is where the blessings are, but also in the heavenlies is where the battles are. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. There's an additional verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. Thank you for your patience, brethren. Baka hindi pa kayo nakagawa ng guacamole. Alright? The most sought fruit during this day. Alright? For that deep. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The devil, actually, Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, isn't it? He's the real lion. Because he's, the lion is the king of the beast, and we know Jesus Christ is the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. Notice, the devil is acting like a ra roaring lion. Alright? Roaring lion. As a roaring Don't you know that the lion don't roar before it captures its prey? Actually, they sneak around. Remember those uh, documentaries about the African wildlife? They are so sneaky and silent, isn't it? And then they will just pounce into that prey as a predator. They will not be roaring and roaring. It will scare the prey. They roar after they had taken the prey. And we know Jesus Christ, as the true lion, will have the last roar. Isn't it? Right now, those that are rejecting him and believing him, you know, like atheists and those who repulse his teaching and his love are happy. The demons of hell, the devil. But we know, we know Christ will always win. Because we read the back of the book, amen? And it tells us we won. The war is won because of Christ's victory at the cross of Calvary and the power of his resurrection. So look at this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12. I have to go fast, all right? The battles are in the heavenlies, also the blessing are in the heavenlies, so the battles are in the heavenlies, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So it means it's the heavenlies. There's a war. There's a battle going on, even right now. And we can say the devil will not yield one blessing without a fight. He's a roaring lion walking around. Spiritual batters in the air are far more serious than we've ever imagined. That's why the demons and the devil can control the air. Subconsciously, it can come to our hearts and minds. It has a pipeline actually in our internet, in the cable. It has a pipeline, isn't it? Of wrong, philosophical information, of deception, isn't it? Every home right now has a pipeline even in our cell phone, isn't it? We have to be careful what we are reading, what we are being influenced with. If it is not from the Word of God, then it's a lie. It's not the truth, all right? And I said this, this morning about celebrating love and tolerance, isn't it? All would like to come on the banner of, oh, we just accept them and just accept their behavior, their transition with their gender because we ought to love one another. All in the banner of love. But love and truth always coincide with each other. It's the same size of one coin. As I said, love without truth is just sentimentality. But truth without love is bestiality, it's, it's cruel. But they have to go all together because you cannot really love without the truth. Because love, the Bible says, rejoices not in the truth. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, I should say. So truth and love has to coexist because that's what real love is. You cannot like love or live in a lie, isn't it? Because it's not going to be real love at all, all right? So... Let's see here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The spirit world is more real than the temporary things we see with our eyes. Our enemy is not wicked people or terrorists or the mini in our workplace. Do you have somebody like that? Or the president. <clears throat> All right. There you go. Our enemy is Satan himself and his soul. So look at that. What are the spiritual warfare that we are in, engaged right now in the heavenlies? Principalities, as Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, demons who have oversight over nations. Yeah. Why do you think Iran is so vexed in destroying, wiping Israel? It's not philosophical argument. It's a spiritual problem. Isn't it? It's inspired by... I didn't get to watch the videos of Israel's 9-11 in October 7, but I heard it's so despicable, horrible. How? Who was in the right mind to kill innocent and the way that they were killed? It's inhumane, isn't it? If you're not inspired by the devil, if you not have hatred, isn't it? But God will judge, amen? God will judge. Powers, demons who have power over individuals. Uh, rulers of darkness, demons of hell in charge of Satan's world affairs. Spiritual wickedness, demons in charge of religion, which sends more to hell than anything else. False religion, even false kind of Christianity under the banner of Christ. Don't think of me as spooky here. But there is an unseen world with a great spiritual battle taking place. You know? Look at this. Uh, I have to end. I have to end. Example, biblical illustration. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. You know? And you know, when we pray, sometimes it's a struggle because there's a war, there's a fight, there's a quarrel, you know, between the spiritual realm. Look at Daniel. He prayed for God's help for three weeks with no answers once with no answer even once and finally an angel came to him and helped him daniel must have wondered what took so long look at daniel 10 12 then he said unto me fear not daniel for whom 
For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand when he prayed and to chasten thyself before thy God, he fast and pray. Thy words were heard, his prayers were heard, and I come for thy words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which refers to Satan's host, all right? His demonic alliance, all right? The prince of uh, the kingdom of Persia, which stood me one and twenty days. He was late in delivering the answer to Daniel's prayer for 21 days. That's why 21 days is used here, isn't it? You can do whatever you want when you're 21. <laughs> yeah? 21 days, but what 21? But lo, Michael, one of the archangels, all right? Highest of the, the angels, warrior of God. One of the chief princes came to help me. So, mind you guys, folks, this is not an allegory. This is a true life experience. Here's an angel delivering answered prayer to a believer, to Daniel, being resisted by a demonic power to the point that he cannot break through and has to ask for reinforcement. This angel is having a hard time because this is such an important message to Daniel that Satan sent one of his best demons to hinder him and he has to call for reinforcement. Michael came into the scene and they were victorious and he was able to go and give out the answer. But he was delayed for 21 days. So how will you and I win spiritual battles? Only with spiritual weapons. Our flesh doesn't have the strength to win. We must put on, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. This is yet another reason how we know what happens in the church house is much more important than what happens in the White House or any other house in the government realm, isn't it? You know, in the heavenlies is where the battles are. In the heavenlies is where the blessings are. And thanks be to God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I thank God, as we close, that in God's mind, we who are saved are already in heaven. And our battles are already won. The war has already won. But we have our small battles here on earth. Amen? We need to ask God for victory, for strength. Because we can draw those spiritual riches and encouragement in the heavenlies anytime, anywhere. Thank you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual riches we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I could... Uh, share these uh, wonderful words of life to your uh, believers here. And I just want to stress and emphasize uh, that we are so blessed. Uh, personally, I'm so blessed that just because it was my birthday this week, I received a lot of greetings, a lot of thoughts, and wonderful concern. But we are blessed every day, all day long, because we are your children. We are joint heirs with Christ. And no matter what happens in our lives personally or in this world, thank you, Lord, our past is settled. Our present is being of help. And our future is secure. Because God the Father loves us. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, loves us. The Holy Spirit also cares for us. The triune God watches over us. Lord, thank you. All these wonderful spiritual blessings are in store for us. We can draw from them from eternity past. It can be dispersed to us right now. 
and it's totally reserved for us in the future. Most of all, Lord, thank you for the gift of your love, your only begotten Son who died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives who preserves us, who, who convicts us of our sin, and also who uh, inspires us, Lord, to continue to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ. As your people pray, Lord, uh, I just pray that you help them in whatever burdens they have. Maybe they need strength to fight another battle in their spiritual life. Maybe they need strength, Lord, or wisdom for a decision in life. Maybe they are praying for your endurance for them and not to quit in their spiritual fight. Maybe they have a burden in their heart that they want to share to others, not just to shoulder alone, but also to share it before God. A care, Lord, and you know what it is. And we thank you, Lord, that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And we can claim that promise that we are more than conquerors in Christ because of the one who loved us. So, all in all, Lord, bottom line, thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who love us unconditionally with an everlasting love. And He allowed us, Lord, to continue living and fight the battles. And as soldiers of the cross, Lord, help us to be faithful to Thee, our allegiance to Thee. And as we are reminded, Lord, this afternoon that our the battle is of the Lord. Whatever the enemy throws at us, the fiery darts of the wicked, help us, Lord, to consistently wear the full armor of God. And just keep on going forward because our enemy is out there. We don't have protection at the back, but the one in the front is have an armor on. That's why when we turn our backs from you, we'll be a sure target of the enemy. But thank you, Lord, for not turning your back from us. You went all the way through. You give it all, your all, when you died on the cross for our sins. So help us, Lord, to be faithful in serving you only by your grace, Lord. Only by your grace we can do that. To continue to serve you through this church and ministry. And to continue to bear one another's burdens. And be able to forgive one another and love one another. as a true mark of a disciple of Christ. And help us, Lord. As we go through another week to display and demonstrate this love and concern and care to others, especially those that are not saved. Lord, I pray for our children here, for our students, that they will have a burden to pray for the salvation of their lost teachers and uh, classmates. For us who have a, a co-worker or an unsaved loved one and friend that uh, when they ask us of the hope that is in us that we'll be ready to give an answer that we will display the joy of the Lord in our faces in our actions that we can rejoice in the Lord always in spite of problems and aches and pain because we have a God in heaven who cares we have a God in heaven who can supply our needs we have a God in heaven who watches over us we have a God in heaven who bless us with all spiritual riches. Truly, Lord, we are rich in Christ. And these are eternal riches, especially when we serve you out of love. One of these days, you promise you'll reward 
the works done in our body, you will judge it, Lord. So help us, Lord, to keep that in mind, that whatever we give to the Lord's work in the name of Jesus, even as your word says, a single cup of cold water, thou taketh notice, Lord, and you will reward that one of these days. So may our good works, Lord, be seen as a fruit of our salvation, as a light that will be shown in the darkened world that truly we are your disciples, we are your followers. And we can only do this, Lord, by your grace, by your strength, by your leading. So help us, Lord, to that end. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.